Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Lexi Hayden. Now, Lexi grew up in a suburb just outside of Washington, and she was really inspired by country music traveling to her grandpa's farm as a youngster. At the age of 14, she began uploading videos to YouTube. At 17, she released an EP, and then she headed off to college. Now, during one of the summers in college, she was an intern with the Bobby Bone Show. She lived in Nashville for the summer, and that really set the wheels in motion for this career in country music. Shortly after graduation, she moved to Nashville and has been chasing a career ever since. So please enjoy our conversation with Lexi Hayden. Talk about growing up first in a little suburb just outside of Washington and what life was like. Was it small town living or were you close enough to sort of Washington and some other big, bigger cities to sort of have more of a broader, bigger city upbringing? It was definitely the suburbs. My dad worked for the government and now my brother works for the government. So I grew up in a very, um, you know, a very intelligent family Um, and not saying I'm not smart. I'm I'm only a little bit smart, but I that was never my path (laughs) like at all. And so I just like my mom grew up on a farm and she grew up like with a family farm and um, all that, like she grew up in that upbringing, um, in Southern Pennsylvania where I just fell in love with it. And like, we would visit like all the time and like, we would, you know, ride on the tractor and feed, you know, the goats and like go to the farm and go fishing. And like, that was like my favorite place in the world. And like, from a very young age, I was just really drawn to country music and I just loved it so much. And it was like all I wanted to do and being in DC and the DC suburbs, it's kind of more of like a rock music scene right yeah reggae like in dc and like i was always like that like random country singer um but i think that i started writing songs around like 14 years old and i started writing them and really my first point of inspiration was my parents or my mom's um family and their farm and like that life up there and everything that i loved about it and how i felt like you know that was where i was supposed to be and my first ever song that i wrote was called uh, feels like home and it was about that and that was the title of my first ep that i put out when i was 16 and it's literally about like you know growing up where i was and wanting to be you know in the country which is so because i feel like when people also, like my mom grew up in that town and she couldn't wait to get out. She was like, get me out of here. And I was like, I want to go all the time. So I just loved that like lifestyle. I was just very drawn to it. And, you know, I, you know, in high school, I put out music. I recorded release music in high school when I was 16, 17 years old and made my first music videos at like 17. Like, yeah not anything good, you know, you can still find them, but they're not. (laughs) 
And then I went to college and just continued singing and singing and singing like everywhere, every open mic on campus, every event on campus. I joined a sorority and I sang for every sorority event. Like it was just like, I just wanted like to perform everywhere. Let's dive in a bit before we go too far, because I saw you mention the farm on social media and I wanted to ask about your grandpa and the influence that he specifically had on this journey for you? Yeah, um, I lost my grandparents at a very young age, um, which was really hard for me because I lost my uh, my mom's mom in, when I was 16 and then my grandpa in, when I was 18. And that was 10 years ago. I'm 28 now. So it's been right. a long time without them. And um, I just think that, you know, being up there with them was like, the happiest I ever was, you know, and like being up there and doing all those things that we would do, like he would work on the cars or pull us on the tractor or take us fishing or, you know, just everything we did up there was like, I looked forward to those trips and I would stay there for weeks over the summer. And I think that he loved country music so much and he would have it on in his car all the time. And, um, you know, he's the reason my mom loves like Vince Gill and Merle Haggard and like Willie Nelson. So I just think that it kind of came down the family line a little bit. And so I really wish that he could, well, both of them could be here today to see like everything I'm doing. Um, it's, it inspired me a lot. And I wrote some of my first songs like on their porch, like in, um, in Pennsylvania, which it's funny that this was happening in Southern Pennsylvania. Cause you wouldn't think it's so country there. Um, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of parts of the world, which I just found out that Canada has a lot of country rednecks, whatever you want to yep. so I think you can just pick a spot in any state and there's some country stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. And now you mentioned he worked on cars. I believe there was a 62 Corvette that was passed down. And I wanted to ask about that. And if that's still around and sort of the memories you have. Of oh, that you car. are good. You are good. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He, he loved cars. He kept every car. Like he kept every car, even cars that he, like his parents had had. Oh, okay. Like, he was like a car collector and like he worked on cars. So like his garage was bigger than his house. Oh, wow. Like his garage was like, and it was like, so funny. Like I can still like distinctly like remember the smell of the garage. Like when you would walk in and there'd just be like so many cars and like one side was just all the cars parked and the other side was where he worked on cars. So when he passed away, he, you know, gifted uh, each family member like a car, which when the cars are that old, you can't really do much with them. They just kind of sit around. So the Corvette kind of sat in our garage for like a really long time, like I want to say like eight years. And my mom finally sold it. Um, I want to say a few years ago, but it was in our garage for a long time. But I mean, we couldn't do anything with it. It's like it was just like there and um a lot of his cars are still in that garage because um, my my mom's brother still lives in that house that they grew up in and so those grandparents passed away when you were younger but I saw that your grandma on your other side I guess it would have been she was one of the first people to hear your song randomly on the radio I think it was like a year or two ago yeah and that was um the women of I Heart country show and it's funny because that same thing happened yet this past weekend is that like um, 
and you know, this is going to like, when I told this story, someone was like, you're not going to know when you're going to be on the radio all the time. But like, um, the women of I Heart Country show, like sometimes when they feature a new song, like they'll tell me, they'll be like, hey, we're playing Tequila for Two. And I'm like, cool. And then I'm like in my car, I'm like partying. And I like, can't wait to hear it. And then sometimes they don't tell me and then people catch it on the radio. Right. Like that moment. And um, so I didn't know that I was going to be featured that week. Uh, and my grandma and my uncle were just sitting in the car waiting for the rest of the family. And they were like, wait. Is this, and they call me Alexis and they were like, this is Alexis on the radio. And, you know, my grandma was there, which was really, really special um, that she was just in the car. And she actually she did pass um, six months ago. Oh, okay. so Sorry that, for that happened. Um, that happened like right before she passed away. So it was very special. I yeah. bet. So what did she mean? for this journey? Like how proud was she when she heard that song on the radio? Do you know? Yeah. So she was so proud and, you know, it was so cool that my uncle got that video of her, you know, saying, you know, like that's Lexi Hayden, like in the video. And, you know, I would play music for her all the time. And before, you know, she was kind of like, she was on hospice and my dad would um, play her my songs, you know, before she passed and it was just a very special part um you know of my relationship with anyone in my family I was really like the only one who sang and wrote music in my family but everyone was very proud and I lost all my grandparents and it's sad it's a sad part of life but you know they all meant so much to my journey so yeah family in general it feels like has been a huge part of this journey for you without them do you think you would be where you are today no, no way. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I do not think so. No, without my family's support, it would have been really hard because I drew so much inspiration from their support and from their life and from, you know, these trips we would take together and being with my grandparents and doing these things and having those moments with them. Um, everything was drawn from real life. So I just I don't think I would have I would be here without my family. Right. And now I think it was around 13 that you got your first guitar. Talk about that guitar and, and where it came from and sort of how it came about. Did you ask for a guitar because you wanted to start playing or did your family see that within you and thought we're going to get her this and, and see what she does with it? I love that you are getting into these um, personal things that, that nobody does. Um, my brother actually started playing guitar before me. So. Okay. He's musical. Um, and he um, he was like in the School of Rock. We have this like School of Rock program. Right. Yeah. And have you heard of it? Yeah. And, and so he was doing that when he was young, like, I mean, like 10 or 11, 12, like and he was playing electric guitar and he loves rock music. He loves like the Beatles and he's just very into. Um, well, now he's into metal, but he was very into rock music. And oh, okay. he had guitars before me. And and it's funny because I'm four years older than him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he started playing very young. And I started like, you know, I was listening to Taylor Swift and I was listening to Shania Twain and I was getting very inspired. And I was like, I really, I know I can sing. I was like, what if I learn guitar? So I would start stealing my brother's guitars and teaching myself chords like on YouTube and online and stuff and teaching myself how to play. 
at. And I think it got to the point where then I was like, I want my own guitar. And my parents took me, I think my parents took me, I honestly don't even remember if they got it for me or if they took me or, cause I think it, my first guitar was an Ibanez and I got my first guitar and that's when I really started learning and taking lessons and started posting YouTube videos when I was 14. Yeah. But my brother started playing first. Okay. And now when you started posting those YouTube videos, I saw you mention sort of you received some nice comments and you were like, "Ooh, I like this. I want to keep doing this. And I was wondering if you remember from the very beginning what some of the first comments were that really made you believe that you could do this. Yeah, it it was it's really funny. I wish I could find that original comment because I posted a video of me playing live at a local venue and I was playing a Taylor Swift song, like nothing crazy. And I was 14 and I had had my mom take like a very shaky video. Like if you see it, it's like, it's very shaky, like not good quality. Right. And um, I remember my mom, I posted it and that's how Lexi Hayden came about too, is that, you know, my real name is Alexis Keen and Hayden is my middle name. And Lexi is obviously a nickname for Alexis, but my mom would let me use my real name on the internet when I was right. Came up with Lexi Hayden as my username. Right. Fast forward to, you know, 14 years later, and it is my entire life, my artist name, like everything. Yeah. Username. And she called me when I was at the mall. And I remember that call and she was like, somebody commented on your YouTube video and it was something like so silly. It was something like, um, like this is so good. Or like, it was something like, like that wasn't even like that great. It was like, you're cool or something like that. It was like something really silly. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I have a fan, like I've got to keep doing this. (laughs) And then I was like, I, I love YouTube. And this was the YouTube. This was the, this was when YouTube was like peaking when I was in high school. Like this was when YouTube was the only video platform. Yeah. And so I just made YouTube videos all the time after that. And just every day come home from high school and make a YouTube video. I mean, I was just like, I have like hundreds of YouTube videos from when I was in high school. It's it's really where I launched my career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about middle school. I saw within your writing, I think you had talked that you started to write a book in middle school. Is that true? Did you have the startings of a book? How did you know that? I'm not sure. I I saw it somewhere. I did. I started to write a book. I still think about that book. Do you still have it? (laughs) I still have it at my parents' house. Yeah. What, how far did you get and what sort of book was it? I got to like, maybe like 85 pages. Uh, I started in middle school. And then when I went to high school, I did creative writing as like a course in high school. I think it was like an elective, maybe was that what it's called? And it was like creative writing one my junior year. And then I took creative writing two, my senior year and creative writing two, we had to like work on one whole project for the whole year. And I, I took that book I had written in middle school or started writing and I rewrote it and revised it and maybe got to like 85 pages. 
Um, but it's called More Than Meets the Eye. Great title. <laughs> and it's about my my mom's like um, hometown. And uh, it, it was a coal mining town. That's what it was very famous for. Because a lot of towns in Pennsylvania were coal mining towns. Oh, okay. And a lot of people in like the 1920s, 1930s, 40s, you know, would would work in coal mining. And a lot of people that my mom grew up with worked in coal mining. And then, um, you know, it became a very dangerous job. I'm getting like way into this, but in the <laughs> book, awesome. in the book, um, Mariana, Pennsylvania is where my mom grew up. And uh, uh, in like the eighties, the coal mine burnt down and oh, okay. uh, a lot of people lost their jobs, um, had no income. And the town was kind of like never the same after that. And in the book, I'm the main character and my name's Molly. And my brother is in the book and his name is John. I don't know why I came up with his names. And we moved to Mariana and we hate it and we don't want to be there. And Molly ends up going back in time to before the coal mine crashes and tries to save the town. Oh, wow. So do you think you'll ever finish it? I don't probably not. You could license it for a movie, finish it and then sell it and turn it into a movie. It's such a, I always was like, oh my gosh, what if this was a movie? It's such a weird part of like my story. And I never talk about it. I don't think anyone even knows that I did that, but I did. I, I, I just always love to write like outside of songs. I love to write like stories and poems and I still have it. And it has pictures. It's like a, in like a binder, like a, oh, okay. And it and and it's typed up and everything and I look at it you know almost every time I go home, and I'm like, I read it and then I'm kind of like cringy, but it it's cool. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it. Maybe, or maybe I'll just write like some different kind of book later in life when I have more time on my hands. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And now let's talk about one of the I think most influential moments for you probably as a youngster growing into music was joining the group jam and java oh so that's a venue oh a venue okay yeah. so there was a group of people i guess playing at this venue and they asked you to join or yeah. how did that work i so that venue was like the only like venue that I really played at in the area. It was kind of like our local venue. And I was doing guitar lessons at my local store and we would kind of hang out or not really hang out, but we would like um, rehearse as like a band on Friday nights and oh, okay. rehearse at the store, like all the kids that were like taking lessons, like we kind of became like a little bit of like a rock band and you can find videos on YouTube. It's terrible, but we, they one of or some of those boys were actually in a band and they were playing at jam and java and i was there and they invited me on stage they were like um come up and sing a song and i went up and i borrowed a guitar and i sang a taylor swift song when i was 14 and that was my first youtube video was that okay shaky video after they had invited me on stage because that was my first time ever performing like with a guitar like singing on stage at a venue like any that was the first thing I'd ever done like that and the fact that it's on camera is kind of crazy like it's making me want to go back and watch it and just look at that rawness of like that first time I ever went on stage with a guitar do you feel remember that feeling of when you stepped on stage and that performance and really, like, was that the moment you knew this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? I, I think so. 
I think so. I remember being so nervous, so nervous. And you can hear it in my voice. It's very shaky in that video. Um, but I think that when I got off stage, I heard someone be like, I heard someone saying like, oh my gosh, I have to get her autograph before she's famous. And I was like, am I the next Taylor Swift? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny i gotta go look at that video again but a my youtube is like a nostalgic rabbit hole because there's a video for like every time in my life when i was in high school and growing up right um, because i made so many videos which is just like growing up in the era of technology growing up was online right you know? yeah yeah exactly and now your first ep feels like home when you were, I think, 17, you recorded that album. Mm -hmm. And so how did that come about? I, I think I saw you mention that it took a week to record and like 10 hours a day in the studio. And so how did that come about? And what was the experience like in just learning that process for the first time? It's so funny, like, hearing you say that, because I remember being so like, oh my God, 10 hours a day in the studio. Like, oh, so long. I'm so tired. And now I'm like, girl, get it together. But that's <laughs> right. like, I didn't know. I'd never done that before. So it was like, wow, this takes a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I had a producer like that we hired locally in like the DC area. It was called Falls Church, Virginia. So it was like a suburb of DC and it was his venue or his recording studio called Q Recording Studios. And now my producer, I think we found him through a friend of a friend. And his claim to fame was that he produced this really famous 90s song. Now, I don't know if you know it, but I'm going to sing it some of it for you. Okay. Like, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm a mother. So he had produced that. That was like his claim to fame. Oh, okay. Now, definitely not my genre, but, you know. Producers can kind of like wear all the hats. Yeah. But I was like, I want to do a country EP. I'm like this little 17 year old girl. And he went out and found like the best musicians in the DC area to come play on my EP. And like, I still keep up with those people. Like the guitar player that played on that EP, like we still talk. Oh, really? And he still comments on everything I do. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Like, it's really cool. It was a cool experience and it, the songs sound great. You know, I'm, I would not listen to those songs because I wrote them very young and I don't think they're good, but they're a part of my story. Um, and I took them down off of Spotify and Apple music when I released my first EP in Nashville, because it's just kind of like what you do, you know, yeah. when, when you're releasing like something that's really real and professional and like what I sound like now, um, but you can still find them on my YouTube channel. Right. That's awesome. And now, so you went away to university and you talked about the Bobby Bones show and doing an internship there, which was a big turning point for you and the support that he's provided you ever since then. And so how did that opportunity come about in the first place? Um, I was a music industry minor in college. So that was like what I was minoring in. And I wanted to get an internship that could be used for credits in my minor. 
Oh, okay. And so it could basically be like taken as a class. So if you got like a summer internship uh, at somewhere music related, then it could count for like credits towards a class. So I decided to apply to a bunch of places in Nashville. And I was like, you know what? It'd be really great if I could move to Nashville for the summer and intern and figure it out. And so I applied to places like CMA or CMT or, you know, places. I don't like, I don't remember. I applied to a bunch of places, but all I remember is CMT and CMA. Like, I don't remember what else I applied to. Maybe like publishing companies or labels or whatever. Like I want to be an intern. And one of my friends in college was telling me about the Bobby Bone show and I wasn't too familiar with them, but I knew they were like a nationally syndicated show. And he was like, they have interns. You should just like email the producer and apply. And so I emailed the producer who at the time her name was Elena and she's not the producer anymore, but I emailed her and was like, I'm looking for a summer internship. Like, here's where I go to school. Here's my resume, whatever. And she was like, cool. Like we love to interview you. Can you come to Nashville? So I flew down there for my spring break to do my interview and it was a very short interview and she was like, cool, you're hired. And <laughs> I mean, nice. it wasn't like I'm going to be doing rocket science at this job. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so then I moved down there in May. I think it was like, yeah, in May of 2014. And I was living in a one bedroom apartment with somebody else. Like we were sharing bedroom. Right. Because I wasn't getting paid to be an intern. Right. Yeah. Like, which, you know, I can't really like say more on that, but you know, like I, I wasn't really like making the big bucks. And so I was like, you know, slumming it, but also it was like the best summer of my entire life. And so I started my internship there and there was like 11 of us interns, like way too many interns. Oh, wow. There was 11 interns. Like there was no need for all of these interns, but they became like such a funny part of the show and they don't have interns anymore on the show. So this was one of the last batches of them, but like they would talk about us on air. They'd be like intern Lexi or like intern Pamela or intern Stevie. And then they would, um, they would have us send in show bits like every night before we would come into work, we would send in three story ideas. Oh, okay. And then Bobby would read them and he would like, maybe like, he would like rarely choose the interns ideas. But when he did, you would be like, I sent that in. (laughs) and uh, it was just the best job ever like you'd walk into work and like Jason Aldean would be there Sam Hunt would be there like Blake Shelton would be there like I just look like as like a 20 year old like girl I was like wow I'm like never going back to school right like I won't stay here and Bobby found out I could sing on like my third day of work, I think like some of the interns might've told him. And that was the moment where he brought me in to sing on air and I hadn't even met Bobby yet. Oh, really? We had not met. We had not talked nothing. And someone, it was like seven in the morning and someone was like, Hey, Bobby wants to see you in the production room. And I was like, Oh no, like what's going on? Am I in trouble? Right. I went in there and they like sat me down and like put headphones on me. And Bobby was like, Hey, I heard you could sing live on air. And he was like, and we heard, you know, this song. And he starts like pulling up the karaoke track to the song called famous by Kelly Bannon that I had been singing all around the studio. Oh, okay. And he was like, show us what you got basically. 
and there I sang live on air broadcast to all of America at 725 in the morning. Oh, man. And so as a performer at that point in your life, were you a confident performer where you were like, okay, let's go. I'm playing this song. Or were you still developing and not necessarily sure of yourself within that moment? Um, I'm going to get my computer charger real quick, but I'm going to keep talking to you. Okay, sure. Um, I, I was confident, but at the same time, like, I was like in such um, a moment of like, I don't like, I was so scared. Like yeah. I had never performed on radio before. First of all, this is like someone that's like so famous and I was really scared and you could hear it in my voice. It's very shaky in the beginning of the video and the video on YouTube is called intern Lexi sings famous. Okay. And I was very nervous, but I mean, I think afterwards they gave me like a boost of confidence where they were like, that was really good. Like once you got going, it was really, really good. And I remember leaving that day thinking like, wow, things could change for me because it felt like such a huge moment where like my dad was driving to work and he heard it. And like friends from college were driving to work and they heard it and just like, it felt like everyone heard me on the radio and that was like such a huge moment for me. So before that internship and singing on the radio, did you have a thought that you wanted to be a country music artist or were you more focused on, I want to do something in music, but I don't know what it is. I think I always wanted to be a singer and a performer and a country artist. It just felt like, it just felt like college was like the natural step for me. Right. Um, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, maybe I just want to work in the industry. I think I always wanted to be an artist. I just felt like college was supposed to happen for me in between. And, you know, I didn't really use my degree, but I feel like you learn more from college with the experience and the friendship and the years and the time that you're there more than anything. So for me, I don't regret like doing my four years at, at college um, because it made me who I am. And I'm glad that I had those years before I moved to Nashville. Right. And so you graduated college and you moved to Nashville just a few months after, I believe. Now, was your mindset on I'm moving to Nashville? This is what I'm doing. I, yeah, I was like, I moved to Nashville immediately, especially after that summer with the Bobby Bone show. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they even went back for my senior year. Like, no one thought I was coming back. Like, everyone who was, like, following me online, like, all my friends were like, she's not coming back. There's no way she's coming back. She's like, there's, she, she's over there with Jake Owen. Look, now she's with Blake Shelton. Now she's on the CMT red carpet. Lexi's not coming back. Right. And, and <laughs> I went back and I graduated. And then I moved to Nashville, like, exactly three months after graduation it was my permanent move to Nashville. What expectations did you have of Nashville at that point? Because you had that internship and because you had some exposure, did you have big expectations when you first moved there of what you expected to happen? Yeah, I think I had like a very rainbow and butterflies view of Nashville right. that summer. And because of all the things that were kind of like 
at my convenience that summer, like every celebrity, like, like, because we were interns, we were like on the CMT red carpet, like, um, you know, we just had so many things that like, it was kind of just like a crazy summer where like when I moved back here, I almost expected it to be like that. And obviously it wasn't, and it was still the time of my life. Like when I moved back here, uh, but I really had to get to work. It was, it was almost like a big, you know, you're here now, you're here permanently and you need to get to work and right. you need to start writing songs. And Jay Cohen is not going to walk in the store and he's going to <laughs> and so along the journey in Nashville, you had the Drive EP in 2017. And then sort of, I guess it was not until 2019 that you had more music and then your EP in 2020. Now within that journey from sort of 2017 to 2020, when do you when do you think you found yourself as an artist? Did you know who you were when you released The Drive in 2017? No way. No way. I I did not figure it out until like 2020, probably, which is a great year for all of us, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think about that year all the time. Like, what a year. Um, and a year to release music, but, um, 2017, like when I released the drive, I think I started planning my EP in 2016 and I did a Kickstarter and that was after like a year and a half of writing in Nashville. Yeah. I think it was a year and a half. I was here writing permanently and I met up with one of my friends who worked at Blackbird studio and he wanted to produce some demos for me. Okay. And I was like, well, I think I have enough songs to like make an EP. Like I could do that. And he had been an engineer at Blackbird for a while and he was really wanting to get into the production thing and, and produce his own things on his own. And his name was Luke Forehand. I got to give him a shout out. And he was like, well, I'll produce this EP for you at like a really low cost because I want to get my name out there as a producer. Right. And I was like, great. So then, you know, I went through all my songs and I, and I had friends help me pick like the five best songs that I could record for an EP. We hired all the session players. Like I did a Kickstarter. I raised, I think $5,000 to pay for studio session players. Oh, wow. Um, Cause we did like, we recorded at castle recording studios in Franklin and a beautiful, beautiful studio, like looks like a castle. Cause I wanted that like studio experience. Right. Yeah. Be in that like big studio. And so I raised the money to do that and record there and the session players. And like, I did it all on my own. Like I hired like every single session player. Like we hired like the engineer, um, you know, book the recording time. Like I just did everything by myself. Like I didn't have a team at the time. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have like anyone working for me. It was like me. And I put out this EP and it just like caught everyone's attention. It was like, who is this Lexi Hayden girl? And I remember I started getting a lot of streams on my song Kiss and Tell. And looking back now, it's funny because I really wanted to post this. Like I posted on my Instagram right here on my balcony. I'm holding a sign that says 10,000 streams. Right. Yeah. And it was of Kiss and Tell. And it was like, oh my God, my song Kiss and Tell has 10,000 streams. I had never got that many streams in a song. And I was like, in two weeks, like, this is so crazy. And now I have like 3 million streams on Spotify. 
Yeah. And like, I thought about that the other day, how crazy that is. Well, is it important to keep that perspective and knowing that at one point, 10,000 streams was enough? Yes. It's so important to have that perspective. And people just started taking me seriously as an artist after that. And like Ward from Whiskey Jam, like reached out to me and was like, I heard this kiss and tell song on my release radar. Like, I want you to come play Whiskey Jam. I played my first Whiskey Jam with a full band. I got contacted by a beer company called Music City Light, who was there at Whiskey Jam. And I went to go meet the CEO of the beer company the next day. And she wanted to partner with me with the beer. So, you know, we brought the beer on the road with us. When we went to do our hometown, the drive release show, we put Music City Light in my music video for um, Kiss and Tell. And I played Music City Light events. And she was also Phil Vassar's manager, if you know who Phil Vassar is. Yeah. Yeah. I saw he was a big part of your journey as well. And so that's how I met him. She was managing Phil Vassar. And she was the CEO of this beer company. So then we went to lunch with Phil and I started uh, working with Phil a little bit. And she sent me off on the road with Phil uh, in 2018 as my first road gig. She wanted me to have my first um, time on a tour bus. Oh, okay. She sent me off to open for Phil um, in my hometown, actually. But I got to ride the tour bus for the first time. I like sleep on it. Right. Um. And so she gave me that. And then um, fast forward to, to today, she's my manager. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm her nanny. So, <laughs> and we are like best friends. So like thinking of that moment, I met her in, in 2017 because of my drive EP. Like she is like the closest person in my life. And um, it all started because of the drive EP. And so now Fast forward now, like I've been on Phil Vassar's show and everything, but um, people just started taking me seriously as, as an artist with the drive. And I started like getting in the room with like bigger writers and people just started like hearing the EP and being like, who is this Lexi Hayden girl? And that's when the opportunity started like coming in. Okay. And that's how I met my current producer, Derek George. Yeah, I was going to ask about him and how important he has been over the last few years in helping guide this journey for you. Very important. And, you know, the reason he found me and took me seriously is because someone showed him the Drive EP. This girl named Caitlin Parmenter wanted to help me at the time, and she was um, doing management and she knew Derek George family friend and she took him the drive EP or sent it to him or whatever and had him listen to it and he was like she's pretty good and brought me in to write so our first write was like at the very end of 2017 I think it was November 2017 it was just me and Derek and I was super nervous to write with him because he had had a few number ones as a writer yeah and a bunch of number ones as a producer so I went into that write very nervous and I had a lot of song ideas just so I could like be the best version of myself. And I had this song title called You Heard Right. And I pitched it to him and he loved it. And the two of us wrote it together in a few hours. And after that, right, he was like, you're a really good writer. This is a really good song. And I really want to continue working with you. And I think he realized, you know, that I was a serious songwriter. And so then from that day on, I was like Derek's, like person that he was helping build and he believed in. And he put me in the room with all these number one writers, Monty Criswell, who we wrote real it cigarette with um, 
Michael White, who we wrote sad songs with, Chuck Jones, Tim Owens, like all of these huge songwriters who have all had number one hits. And I was in the room with them because of Derek. Right. And that's how we wrote that whole first EP. Um, You heard right. That album was because Derek believed in me and I, I signed, sorry, I signed to Derek in 2018. Oh, okay. So, um, I have a production agreement with him. So I, he's like my person. So he has been a huge, huge part of my journey. Huge. Right. And now you talk about 2020 and sort of realizing who you were as an artist. Now, 2019, you released Wish You Would Have Cheated, I believe, September 2019. And that sort of kickstarted a lot of releases the end of 2019 and into 2020 and you started gaining traction and so as the world began to shut down and you're just starting to gain this traction what was that like as a newer artist to have that experience isn't that funny how so many people started gaining traction in 2020 yeah like it was such a weird time, but also with the world shutting down, it was also a great time to like discover new artists and music. Um, I think it had a lot of pros and cons that year, obviously more cons than pros. Yeah. But um, yeah, I put out You Heard Right at the end of 2020 and I was definitely terrified because I had released the two singles before 2020. It was like, um, Wish You Would Have Cheated came out 2019 and then Relit Cigarette came out 2019 and then Summer Drinking came out like very early 2020. Yeah, February 2020, I believe you released it. Pre-pandemic. Yeah. And, and I was getting ready to release Go To, and I had just hired a publicist for the first time in my life. For March of 2020, I had hired a publicist. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then um, the world started shutting down, and I was like, great time to have a publicist. Can't do any live appearances. Can't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we made the most of it and they, you know, helped me get a lot of like live streams, like Instagram takeovers, like live streams with like the boot or wide open country. And then we got so many different like features on the song. So like, you know, I wasn't able to do like in-person things, but there were so many things that like, um, that were offered like online because of the pandemic. Right. So yeah. we made most of it. And then, um, what was my next song after that? Was it sad songs? um go to and then sad songs yeah yeah sad songs came out a while after that i think because it was just such a weird time i was like i'm gonna wait right yeah music so then sad songs came out september so it was a while and i really just think it was because of the pandemic that i waited that long to release another single but sad songs then like kind of like turned everything because sad songs was like the banger of the ep right and yeah. it was my first song to be featured on the women of iheart country show and with um amy brown and bobby bones and so that was my first time like i getting an email from my heart radio and being like we want to feature your song sad songs and that was my first time on national radio. That was my first time hearing my song on the radio. So sad songs was like a huge turning point for me because, you know, and then it was like featured on um, two Apple music radio shows. It was featured on like three Apple music playlists, a ton of Spotify playlists. It just like, and then we ended up creating a whole music video for the song. Right. Yeah. And that song just became like a moment for me. And, um, 
I just that that song was such a special part. And then after that, I think was the whole EP. Yeah. Yeah. In December of 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, after that was the whole EP. But Sad Songs was definitely like, I, I don't know if it was just like the most radio friendly song, um, but it just was very popular and it was very surprising to me because I wasn't expecting that. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sad songs. And then the whole EP came out and it's just been, it's been a slow and steady uphill for me. I think I haven't, I've had a lot of like um, little moments of like big triumphs. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it wasn't never like an overnight success where I was like really famous like one day, but it's, it's been like very slow and steady. And within this journey, I saw back in 2015, you were in an issue of Port and Maine magazine, I believe it was. And you posted that article and you said within the post that your focus had shifted from being famous to simply wanting to be surrounded by your music for the rest of your life. And so I said that. That's so awesome. <laughs> and I was going to ask, is that still the mindset? Like, is it easy to have that thought at one point in your life, but really lose that along your journey as well? I guess like the focus isn't being famous, but being able to do music full time for the rest of my life, like being able to have a career where like enough people care about my music and are listening to my music and coming to my shows that I can sustain a lifestyle from it. Right. Right. That's all that matters. And you are very busy within that, within the music, but you also do have day jobs right now. So within your current position, where do you feel you're at within this journey? I feel like I'm like about to like hit this like point where I might be able to quit some of my jobs. Um, And I this year for sure, I think is going to be a really big year for me only because I've had a lot of things happen for me. Um, I really pray that it's soon. I think one thing that I really, really want is to tour. Right. That's what yeah. I want so bad. And it's hard to make that happen as an independent artist. Um, so I think that's something that's like really there on my list of like what I want. I want to go out and play my music for people all over the country. Um, and I really do feel like I'm getting close to being able to do music full time. And there's a lot like in the works where like, you know, it would really help me if I could sign a publishing deal. So that's really like what's on my radar right now, because then I would be able to write full time. Right. Yeah. So these are just things I'm praying for. I mean, it's like I'm so close, but it takes like the right amount of luck and opportunity, I think, at the same time. Absolutely. And now Tequila for Two is your latest single. And now moving forward, do you have your sights set on new music coming into middle, late 2022? Yes, there's an EP coming out. And actually, I have a mix to listen to right after we get off of this. Awesome. Of um, the title track of the EP. And there's going to be a title track of the EP and then one extra song on there, which I'm hoping is a duet. 
fingers crossed that it will be a duet. If not, it's going to be a feature with one of my favorite artists who wrote the song with me. Um, male artists, which will be my first duet that I put out released. So I'm really excited about that. It's a really special song. And so we have an EP coming and then I'm just gearing up for the Bobby Bones shows in June. Right. Yeah. Which I'm really excited about. But yes, there is an EP coming. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Lexi for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her newest single, Tequila for Two, wherever you stream your music and keep an eye out for her new EP, hopefully coming later this year. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform, of course. So just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow there as well. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music